0: You are listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at VintageChurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Good morning, church. You know what? In both services, this side is always quieter for some reason. Is that true? Are y'all the quiet side? Okay, the first two rows are like, we were not gonna take that label. <laughs> How are we doing? Everybody good? You warm? It's cold outside? This is where y'all talk to me, okay? Amen? You ready to dive in the Word? Let's just go ahead and do it. Go to uh, Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 together. We're just gonna dive right in and see what God has to teach us today. If you believe God wants to teach you something today, we say amen? amen. You believe God has a Word for you? Amen. That God wants to allow you to leave different than you came, amen? amen. So let's let him do it, all right? Amen. amen. Matthew chapter 9. We are in a series that we started last week, and this verse, these verses are kind of the jumping off point for us in our conversation. And I told you last week, uh, I know we love to do series that seem to like hit us kind of right where we are in our season. And I know people come to church and say, all right, preacher, give me something that's going to help me. But the next four weeks aren't about you. Everybody cool with that? Say Amen. Because God has created the church on purpose and for purpose, and that isn't so we can come in here, learn something that makes our lives better, be all happy and grinning, and go home and keep it to ourselves. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate it. I'll clap with you, buddy. I'm with you, brother. I'm going to preach. Me and you today, okay? All right. Matthew chapter 9 says this. Then he, Jesus, said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Thus, the title of the series is called The Harvest. See, in Matthew chapter 9, we see Jesus in, in, in the throes of ministry. This is the point where he is really beginning to change lives, and he's going from, the Bible says, from town to town and from village to village, and he's moving about the community. And what he discovers in the community is a group of people that are broken and helpless and in need of the hope that only God has. And it says that he, he went around from town to town, from village to village, and he saw the crowds. And what he saw caused him to have compassion for them. And he said they're, they're helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In other words, he sees a group of people that are in desperate need of God. And the problem has been that nobody has had the courage to go get their hands dirty, to step out of their holy huddles and move into a community and actually take that hope that they have to the people that need it most. You with me, church? Come on. And this, see, this is what I've discovered. Every person, and, and you, if you've been at Vineyard very long, you've heard me say this. If you've been at Vineyard very long, you've probably heard me say anything good that I've ever said because it ain't much. But we are all born with a God-shaped hole in our spirit. Every human is. I don't know if you know this or not, but you you were created by a, a God who loves you, the God of the universe. And because of sin, there is a gaping void in your spirit that can only be filled by God. And the only way for that void to be filled is you had to, your sin had to be dealt with. And the only way for that sin to be dealt with was for God to become a man in the form of a baby named Jesus who grew up to be a man who went to a cross to die for your sins, to take the penalty that you deserve that created that void so that that void could be full. Somebody say amen because that's just pure gospel right there. Come on, somebody. And see, this is what most of us do. We know that that's there. We know it's there. And we spend our whole lives trying to fill it. And some of us have but we've tried everything to fill that gap. Come on. We, I mean, we've tried as many uh, relationships, careers, hobbies, addictions. Like we've tried. We've been looking our whole lives to fill that void. And you can go through every earthly thing that you can think of, but there's nothing on this planet that will ever fill the God-shaped hole in your heart but God. And the only way for that to be filled is in Jesus. There's, there's not a woman pretty enough a dude handsome enough, a job that pays enough money, an addiction that gives a strong enough high, a hobby that can bring you as much, like those don't, don't ever work. Only God can fill that hole. And see, Jesus walks around, and he sees a bunch of people with that God hole. And he says, if they just had me, they would have everything they need. And the problem is nobody's taking me to them. And he looks at a generation of religious people who, ha- who knew all about God, who knew all about God's word, who knew the one true God. And instead of them being the agent, the vehicle to take the message and hope and love of God to the people, they thought they were too good. It wasn't because the harvest wasn't plentiful. It wasn't because people weren't in need. It wasn't because people weren't receptive. And see, I think we bind to those same lies. I think we live in one of the most beautiful times ever to be a follower of Jesus. I think we live in one of the most ripe harvest fields of any generation in history. You say, Matt, but there's so much evil. Wherever there is great evil, there is great opportunity for the goodness of God. Come on, church. You need to know that. Because I know you watch the news. I know it's depressing. I mean, to go home Sunday after worshiping in here and turn on the TV and see what unfolded in Texas... Not to mention all the other bazillion things that have happened over the last several months. And it's easy to look at it like our world is so broken. Yes, it is. But can I tell you something? It always has been. And it will always be until Jesus comes back and makes it right. And between now and then, you know what our job is? To take the message of Jesus to the world. Because the harvest is plentiful. It's not the harvest that's not plentiful. It's not the harvest that isn't ripe. It's the people, the workers. And see, churches, what we can do is we can get kind of isolated and enclosed and focused on ourselves and think behind this me, 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 me gospel. And church just becomes a place we go instead of a people that we are. I'm preaching today, Josh. boy. Come on. Like, the church is God's ordained vehicle to take the message of Jesus to the world that needs it. Like, that's the, 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 the for, first and foremost purpose of the church. The church isn't here so that, so that you can have some place to go on Sunday mornings. The church isn't here so you can find a future husband or wife. That's happened here a few times. We'll celebrate it, but... <laughs> the church isn't here to make you feel good about yourself. The church... Its main, her main job is to be the vehicle that carries the message of Jesus to the world. That's what Jesus was meaning. He looked at his disciples and says, look, there's a generation that's missed out. These Pharisees who had all the knowledge about God that they needed and who had plenty of time and opportunity to change the world, they blew it. So he looks at the disciples, a group of people that would look a lot like Vintage Church, I like to think. Just some kind of average people who were going about their business, working their lives, trying to provide for their families. Jesus found them, got a hold of their heart, and they couldn't keep it to themselves. I hope that describes our church. Come on. And he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray that the God of the harvest would send workers into the harvest, and that's who we're going to be. We're not going to be a generation that messes it up again. We're going to be a generation that takes the message and love of God to the world. So how do we do that? And what I want to tell you today is we have to understand this key element if we're going to be the church that God has called us to be. Write this down. Before God can do anything through you, he must do something in you. Before God can do anything through you, he must do something in you. In other words, if you're ever going to be the worker in the harvest field that God desires you to be, that God created you to be, before you can do what God's called you to do, you have to become who he's called you to be. But Before God can do anything through you, he has to do something in you. And what I need to get you to believe today is God is constantly trying to do things in your life. God is constantly trying to do something in you, not just when you're at church. Like, yeah, I think there's something special about the people of God coming together under one roof for the purpose of worshiping him. But I think that God is always 24-7 trying to do something in you. He's constantly, let me tell you something that's going to make you feel weird, okay? I believe God is constantly wanting to speak to you. I know we start talking, preachers start talking about God speaking to them. People get a little bit freaked out a little bit. But can we all agree that as you look at God, God wants to speak to you. God constantly has a word to put in your heart that he wants to manifest in your spirit to grow you into who he created you to be. I believe God speaks to me all the time. And you better hope God speaks to me. Because if God didn't speak to me before I get up here to speak to you, then you might as well just be on your couch in pajamas eating popcorn watching Dr. Phil. It'd be about as beneficial. That if God doesn't speak to me, I have nothing of value to say to you. And I think God constantly wants to speak to you. He's constantly trying to put his word in your heart. Constantly trying to do something in you so he can grow you into who he's called you to be so that he can do something through the life that he's given you. And to to demonstrate that, let's let's dive into a parable of Jesus. Flip over to Mark chapter 4. If you've got the app, this is all in the app. All the scripture is going to be on the screen. I think, Uh, Mark chapter four, pick up with verse one. you, You with me? Say amen. Mark four, verse one. It says, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people people were along the shore at the water's edge. Just get that image. It's all these people have gathered to listen to Jesus, that Jesus is about to preach, and he steps into a canoe and pushes off from the shore, and now he's looking along the shoreline, and there's this crowd of people, and Jesus has this audience, and this is what he says. He says, he taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, Grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears, let him hear. And all the people looked at him like, What did he just say? See, Jesus had this very interesting way of teaching. So often, Jesus would teach in these parables, these word pictures, these, these analogies, these stories. And Jesus had purpose. And he says, There was a farmer who sowed some seed. And that seed fell among some soil. And based on the condition of that soil, when that seed fell on that soil, it had different ramifications. It produced different things. And then, look, sometime later this happens. Look at verse 10. It says, when he, Jesus, was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. So there's times when the disciples are like, Jesus, why do you speak in these kind of complicated parables? Like, why don't you just ever come out and outright say anything? Anybody else ever had that same conversation with God? Like, God, why don't you just like hit me in the face? And, like, like it, it just clearly, specifically, without doubt, speak to me. Who's had that conversation with God? Like, God, just, like, run me over by a bus and let me know. Like, spell it out on a billboard. Like, the next guy that walks by, I let it have him tattooed on his neck so I know what it says. That might happen in Venice church, just so you know. You might see a tattoo. You might read it. God might speak to you through it. I don't know. <laughs> Who am I talking about? I don't know. Like we won't, but they, and Jesus says, here's, here's the reason why. It's because, you know what? If you really love me and you're really going to pursue me, you're going to have to dig in and find out what I'm trying to do in your life. See, you, we want it easy. And Jesus says, hey, here's going to be the difference between you and them. It's because you really love me, because you really understand who I am, you're going to understand that everything I say has value, and you're going to fight to understand what I'm trying to say. You're going to pray to get there and understand that the Spirit will reveal these things to you, and they will do something powerful in your life. See, some of us, like, like w- the reason why God's not doing anything through us is because we don't have the courage to go the extra mile, to go the extra place, and really allow Him to write something on our hearts. We just satisfy with thinking, oh, the verse of the day. Ha <laughs> okay, I read it, done. And that's it. And Jesus so saying, no, nah, like if you want my word to penetrate your heart and to do something powerful in your life, you're going to have to go a little bit further than just seeing it on a page. Preaching today, boy. You have to go a little bit further. And then look what he says next. He says, then Jesus told them, don't you understand this parable? He looks at it like, now, now this is no longer with the crowd on the shore. This is sometime later. He's no longer standing in the boat preaching to the congregation. He's not out with the crowd. He's inside with the core. You follow me? So somewhere along the way, Jesus has gotten out of the boat, and he's gone to some certain place, and it's the 12 and apparently a few more, and he's having this conversation with them. He was like, y'all, if anybody, need to understand this. He said, don't you understand? And he says, if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand any parable? Sometimes the disciples just didn't get it. And went through the sharpest knives in the drawer. And then he does something that, as far as I can tell, he only does this one time. He breaks down the parable. See, most often, Jesus would, would, would let speak the parable and just let it lay. He would say, here it is. Now, you've got to, through the Spirit, work through it. Through prayer, work through it. You've got to figure out what this is, how this is going to land in your heart. But here, he unpacks it. And now, if Jesus takes the time to unpack this parable, can we all agree there's probably something really important he needed us to learn? Like, there was something that we need to understand. So he says, You know what, this parable that I've been talking about, of uh, this farmer with this seed and this soil that it's gonna land upon, like, you need to understand that there's something really specific about that. So he starts to break it down. Verse 14, he said, The farmer sows the word. So there's a farmer. And in his hand is the seed of the word. Let's go back to Children's Church, okay? The farmer, God. And how, in whatever form he shows up. Son, Father, Spirit. God shows up. And the seed that he's sowing into the soil of the world is his word. That God is constantly scattering his word on the people of this world. You follow me? Say amen. Amen. And now, Jesus is the ultimate word. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. Jesus is the word. But I also think that this is also deeply layered, that the the word is anything that God tries to speak to us, in any way God speaks to us. And God is constantly trying to scatter the seed of his word on the world, to pour it out into the hearts and lives of the people on this planet. And did you know that, that God's constantly scattering the seed of his word in your life? And he, he, he's trying all kinds of methods to do that. Because I believe that's who God is. I mean, obviously through the word, through Jesus, the person in, in, of Jesus. But also through, through the scriptures. That God uses his word to speak to us. That that book, Genesis through Revelation, I don't care. Anybody tells you it is the written, inspired word of God. And it has meaning and purpose and power in your life. But I think God's in Everything. Because God is everything. I think he's scattering the seed of his word. And every conversation that you have with every person you ever encounter. That there's something that God's trying to speak to you. It may be standing in complete contrast to what that person's saying. That may happen a lot. But God's trying to, every Sunday when you gather in this room, God's scattering the seed of his word on your heart. It may be something that's coming from my mouth. It may be a lyric from one of the songs that we sing, which are is that so a lie song? Ooh, fire. It's good. Like God's scattering the seed of his word. But you know what? It also may be uh, through something totally what you might think is not even God-related. Can I tell you something? There's times God has spoke to me through the episode of Everybody Loves Raymond. Y'all laugh, but it's happened. You don't think God can speak through it. Raymond was funny constantly. Like those conversations that you're having with a coworker, that argument that you're having with your spouse. God's trying to scatter a seed of his word at all times in your heart. Come on, I need you to believe that because if you don't believe that, then we don't even need to go much further. Do you believe that God is constantly trying to scatter his word into your heart? He, he, he's peppering your life with words from, from him to, to change you, to mold you, to Turn you into who he created you to be. He's constantly just scattering the seed of his word and everything good and in everything bad. God is in it and he wants to teach you something in it. I, I, I proclaim that because, because God can take anything, even the ugly things, even the hard things, even the difficult things, and put a beautiful word in your heart that could be beneficial now or sometime later. God's scattering the seed of his word. And God said, There's this farmer, God, who's scattering the seed of his word and it's falling on very different types of soil and he said you know what unfortunately sometimes that word is scattered on soil that doesn't quite receive it like he would hope but you want to you want you do you notice that there's there's different reactions to the seed in the soil right but you notice that God keeps sowing it that means every time you say no to God he's like you know I don't care I'm keep throwing at you every time you're disobedient I don't care I'm gonna keep it coming Every time you say, God, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't care. I'm going to keep throwing it. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, how rich you are, how poor you are, how mature you are, how immature you are. God's continuing to scatter that seed in your life. But he's saying sometimes that seed falls on different places. First thing he says, you know, some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown, and as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown from them. He said, there's sometimes there's soil that's scattered on our hearts, and before it can ever sink down deep into who we are and make a difference in our lives, the enemy comes and snatches it up. Like, that's what he wants to do. He wants to snatch, snatch it from the surface. Like the enemy's goal is to snatch the seed of God's word from the surface before it ever gets down deep in your heart and begins to impact the way you think and live. Like if he can get it before it changes you, then he's won. And so what he does is he God scatters that seed in your life and it lands on that soil. And before it can even take root and do anything to make a difference in your life, what the enemy wants to do is come, get in here, and just snatch it from the surface. Because... The enemy knows the power of the Word of God better than anybody, and if he can snatch it from your, the soil of your soul before it ever gets down and makes a difference, then he's won. So that means every time God speaks to you, every time you read your Word, every time you come to God in worship, every time you're sitting to God in prayer, and He tries to speak, when God speaks something to your life, the enemy wants to get it from the surface before it ever takes root in your life. And how does he do that? Matthew records that that when Jesus is explaining this, what he says is is he basically tries to confuse you. Say basically, God didn't say that. That's been his mode from the very beginning. Remember the Garden of Eden? The enemy looks at Eve and says, eat from this tree. No, God said we're not supposed to eat from that tree. He didn't say that. You know, God says, you know, we shouldn't, participate in those things he didn't really say that it's 2017 come on bible beater no 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 that's what god said oh oh no god and then god said if we do that way we'll die you won't die there won't be consequence god god's not gonna let you die from this god's not gonna let you suffer consequences if you do this and if he does he's probably not a good god anyway anybody else been there like if he can confuse you about what the word of God says, he can snatch that word from the surface before it ever gets in the soil of your heart. For some of you guys, it's, it's it's confusing to think, you know what? When God says, "I love you," Satan says, "No, he does not. If he loved you, you wouldn't be going through that." I, I died for you, and you can be whole and holy. No, you can't. You're so messed up and broken. See, the enemy wants to snatch the word from the surface before it gets down into the soil and has a chance to make a difference in your life. Don't let the enemy snatch your seed. Don't let him. Jesus describes another type of soil. He says, Others are like seed sown on rocky places where the word at once received it it with joy. But since they have no root, They last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So he said there's some soil that when the seed falls on it, the the enemy comes and he snatches it from the surface. But he said there's some, when it falls in there, it's not snatched from the surface. It's taken from the soil by the one it was sown into and it's thrown to the side. That basically, God puts something in your heart, but the moment Following through and being obedient to that word gets a little bit too difficult. Nope. It's not snatched by the enemy. It's not snatched from the surface. It's thrown to the side. How many of us, God has spoken to our hearts, called us to do something, but you know what? Once we stepped out and we went to go do that thing, we realized it's going to be a little bit more difficult, a little bit more uncomfortable, and cost costs a little more than we thought we were going to have to pay. And because the seed that God's tried to sow in us makes us step out of our comfort zone, makes us do something that's a little bit more costly than we would really like for it to be, the enemy doesn't snatch it from the surface. You take it out and throw it to the side. Anybody ever been there? God said, this is what I want for your life. This is what I want you to do with your life. These are my expectations. These are my boundaries. These are the things I want for you. And you know what? You say, all right, God, I love you, Jesus. I want to accept you. I want to go to heaven. I want to experience all these things. And then God starts to sow more and more seed into you. And then you realize, okay, you know what? The way you used to think, you can't think that way anymore. Some things you used to do, unfortunately, now that you follow Jesus, you can't do those things anymore. And you know what we end up deciding is, you know what? We tr- start treating the seed of God like it's something on the buffet at Golden Corral, like God's word is Golden Corral, where you can pick what you want and leave behind what you don't. And we start saying, oh, I love that whole grace and mercy thing, but that whole tithing stuff, nope, just got real, didn't it? Oh, I love that whole um, going to heaven, forgiveness stuff like that, but you know what? That, that person who did that thing to me, forgiving them, that's a little much, Jesus. I'm, I'm going to throw that one to the side. Oh, I love you, Jesus, but you know what? Coming to church, you know, I'd rather be fishing on Sunday. Just got really real, didn't it? And so the seed isn't snatched from the surface. It's, you know what, we start saying, okay, God, I know you're trying to sow this word into me right here, but that's a little bit more than I'm ready for, so I'm going to take those things, throw them to the side. And God's saying, because you're not letting me do in you all that I want to do, I'm not going to be able to do all through you that I would purposed to do because you keep picking and choosing. You're letting the enemy snatch it from the surface and then there's times when you're throwing it to the side. Like, if you really want to work the harvest that we've been given, God's going to have to do something in us before he can do something through us and God cannot do all that he wants to in us when we continue to throw aside the seed that doesn't make us comfortable. Y'all with me say amen? amen? There's one more. There's two more. It says, still others, like seed among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke it out, making it unfruitful. In other words, Jesus says there's some seed that falls in the soil, and it gets deep down in there. And it begins to take root and begin to plant. And it's going to bloom something of beauty. But then all of a sudden, there's some things that don't come and snatch it from the surface. That it's not thrown to the side, but it ends up getting choked by all the stuff. Now, you know what? You've allowed your lives to get so cluttered up with so many other things that what God wants to bloom in your life doesn't have room to. Anybody else can really identify with this seed? Now, you know what? Look, go back to that verse. Man, I mean, Jesus just steps all on my toes right here. Anybody with me? He so, said, but the worries of this life, that like, man, God wants to do something in you, but you're so worried by everything that's happening around you that you're in a constant pe- place of panic and nothing can be produced. Worriers in the room? I'd put both my legs up so I wouldn't fall down. He says, you know what? I planted something in you. But because you're always worried about what might be, what could be, how this is going to work out, and you're so just turned up in turmoil, and you lack any kind of peace and joy, there's no way I can do anything of significance with that thing that I put in you. It's getting smothered. And he says, the deceitfulness of wealth. But you know what? I could use you you wouldn't be so busy chasing that dollar. I could be your God if money wasn't. But your desire to chase that is keeping you from really chasing me. And it's choking the seed I'm trying to put in your heart. And then he says, and the desires for other things. Doesn't say they're bad things. Doesn't say they're things that can't be in your life. But the desire you have for those things are choking out the potential for the main thing to bloom in your life. Says so it's choking it out. So that's three out of four of soils that seed falls on that really end up going nowhere. They said, but others, verse 20, others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word. accept it and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. See, God is constantly scattering the seed of His word on the soil of your soul. And there's times it falls and the enemy comes and snatches it from the surface before it can ever take root. And there's times when it begins to get in there, but when it gets a little bit too hard, you begin to throw it to the side because you don't want to follow it because it's too uncomfortable. And there's times where that seed is, is planted down in, your, in the soil of your soul, but it just gets choked out and can't produce anything fruitful because there's just too much stuff in your life. He said, but there's times... When I take the seed of my word and it is planted in good soil and when it's planted right and it's planted permanently and you allow me to water it and weed it and bring it to fruition, it bursts forth with something that has the potential to produce life and actually change the world. And that's the kind of soul that we're going to have to be if we're going to work the harvest we've been handed. That we're going to have to be people when God starts to scatter the seed of his word into our lives, we refuse to let the enemy snatch it away. And we have the courage not to throw it aside when it's not convenient or when it's not easy. That we'll make sure that our priorities are in order so that our lives aren't choking out all that God wants us to do. So something can be planted in us that can produce fruit. And you notice what it says? You know what? Everybody's going to look a bit different. He said the point of this seed is that it multiplies from your life. Some 30, some 60, some 100, but that it multiplies. This is the most important thing I'm going to say all day, so everybody look at me, okay? You ready? Because this is, this is what I've never noticed until preparing this message. So often, the reason why our lives don't produce fruit for the kingdom of God like it's supposed to is because we take what God intended to plant, and instead, we bury it. And what I want to say to you today is don't bury what God intended to plant don't bury in you what God has planted for others it's good it is. come on because see here's the reality what happens so often is God scatters the seed in your heart and you bury it down inside of you because you think that word is just for you you think because that's what we've kind of taught you oh, it's all about you that word is for you so that you can get your junk together so that you can be a better person and people won't think you're crazy so you take that word, that seed that God is and what we end up doing is we bury what God intended to plant. But the reality is, whatever you bury will always end in death. Whatever you allow to be planted will always bring forth life. And maybe the reason why the church isn't bringing forth life in its community is because we're really burying what God intended to plant. There's not a single thing that God will ever do for you that is intended just for you. Did you know that? There's not a single, a single thing God will ever teach you that is supposed to be contained only to you. Everything He has put in you is for the purpose of multiplying and producing something that you can use to change the life of another. Every seed is never intended to be buried for you, it's intended to be planted for others. Don't bury what God intended to plant. Let him plant it in your spirit. Don't live in such a way that it's choked out by all the stuff and it can't produce the fruit in your life that God wants it to so that you can be the light in your world that God's called you to be. Don't pick and choose and throw things to the side when it's not comfortable or easy. And don't let the enemy snatch it from the surface before it ever has a chance to take root. What has God planted in you that it's time to start producing some crops? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me? I'm going to tell you right now, one of the ways the enemy can snatch this word from the surface right now is to go ahead and get you thinking about getting out of here. Like God's trying to plant something in you right now. And the enemy wants to snatch it to the surface and say, go ahead and get out of here, go get your kids out of kids' ministry. Go ahead and get to the car so you can get out of this parking lot before it gets crazy. And God's trying to sow something in you, and the devil's trying to just snatch it from the surface. What's that thing? What's that word that God's been trying to put in your heart, trying to sow into your spirit, trying to plant deep in you so that it turns you into the person he's created you to be? The thing that God wants to do in you so that he can do the the things through you that he so desires to do. Would you just allow some space over the next few minutes as we worship? Just to allow God to deep root that seed in your spirit. Just allow him to plant it. Put it deep down in your spirit. So that it brings forth the life that he desperately wants to. Father, I pray that right now, that God as we worship you, that you would speak to your people. That you would sow a seed. In the soil of their souls that will produce a crop 30, 60, 100 times. That, God, you would speak to people in ways that they've maybe never experienced before. Or, God, that people would respond to your word like they never have before. That hard hearts would no longer be hardened. That people would be open and receptive to allow your voice to speak to them. God, use this time for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand. Let's worship. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.